Well, have you ever seen an accomplishment so spectacular that it just seemed absolutely impossible? Maybe it was a, a sports achievement, or uh, maybe you hear of someone who uh, scores, uh, has a perfect score on the SAT or the LSAT. Uh, I used to play uh, trumpet, and uh, one of my favorite trumpet players, probably this era's greatest trumpet player, was a guy named Wynton Marsalis. And uh, read a story in the Atlantic about uh, one time when Marsalis was playing in, in this jazz club in New York, and he was playing this really melancholy sort of ballad, and toward the end of it, he was just really coming to a, a, a nice ending to the piece, when all of a sudden, someone's cell phone started going off, and it went all and on and on and on and on, and Marsalis just stopped there for a minute, and then he played just absolutely perfectly the ringtone of the cell phone over and over and over, and then started an improv melody, and like 10 minutes later, he returned back to the end of the piece and ended it. Now, had I been sitting there, I would have said, that's impossible. It's impossible for somebody to do something like that. Some people just seem to have the ability to push the limits of what seems possible to us. So when Jesus says something along the lines of, with man, with humankind, this is impossible We should scoot up to the edge of our seats and pay attention to what he is saying. What is it that Jesus says that is impossible for humankind to do? So hang on to that question, and we'll come back to it a little bit later. Today, we continue our series, A Beautiful Life, Jesus. And this series is based on excerpts from the book of Mark. Now, in this series, we're exploring key life events and key teachings of Jesus And the purpose of the series is not just to know things. You know, it's not just to know about Jesus, but for us to draw closer to Jesus. Because when we allow our lives, when we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, as we draw close to Jesus, the Holy Spirit shapes us and makes us more and more into the image of of, of Jesus. So after all, Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. He also said, take my yoke, or take my way, take my life, take my journey upon you. He promised us that if we will embrace his life, that we will find ours, and all that ours were meant to be. Bottom line, we want his beautiful life to become our beautiful life. We want his story to become our story. So let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 27, excuse me, verses 17 through 27. And we're going to read about this incredible encounter that Jesus had with this young up-and-coming guy. And in this incredible encounter, Jesus says, hey, you've got limits. You think you're up-and-coming. You think you've got everything all together. But look, you've got limits. And he tells him what is impossible for him to do is possible for God to do. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. It reads like this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, 
all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I'm going to stop for a second. If you have your, your paper Bible, underline that. If you have your digital Bible, highlight that. That is a really critical verse. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is the word of God for the people of God. All things are possible with God. I'd like to do something just a little bit out of the ordinary today in our teaching time. For our guest, after our service today, we have our annual congregational meeting. And in this meeting, we join our hearts and minds together to do some really important aspects of what it means to be the church at work in the world. So for example, we affirm lay leaders who have been called to serve in leadership positions. These lay leaders together with our staff team provide spiritual and strategic leadership for our congregation. We affirm how God is calling us to invest the financial resources that God has blessed us with into his work to bless our city and to bless our world, to share the gospel in our city and around the world. That's part of our annual celebration together. And we lean into how we believe God is calling us to invest our time together over the next year. Leadership, time, financial resources, really important aspects of what it means to be a family of faith together. And we also celebrate what God has done over the past year. And is this part of the annual celebration that I'd like to lean into just a little bit during our teaching time. Trust me, it has to do with our text, and we'll be back around to our text in just a minute. As I pondered 2021 for our congregation, and really in general, to be candid, the word celebration was slow in coming to my mind. I think we would most agree as a nation, 2021 was a challenge. We started the year with January 6th, which still, for those of us who live in this area and maybe around the nation in general, it seems like an unreal event. We had the euphoria of a vaccine finally being available, and then we had the painful division in our nation over those who, who were open to being vaxxed and then those who were not. Some of us felt that in our friendships. Some of, that, some of us felt that in our families. There was a time when I talked to people about their family, and it seemed like 2021 felt like one long extended Thanksgiving weekend, which with extended family can be, well, We'll just leave that one alone for a while. But think about it. We started 2021 in a lockdown. Then we got the vaccine. And then it felt like we were getting back to normal. And then 
Delta comes along, and then Omicron comes along, and we started the year, we ended the year, excuse me, just the way we started. Add, that, add to that a wobbly economy, continued struggles with social injustice, and I think most of us would say 2021 was just not a banner year. As a congregation, it also felt a little bit like a blur. We spent the first five months of the year online only, and then we were able to regather. But then as the pandemic kept coming back, we ended the year online only. We said goodbye to to several families who, like many of you, move into the area for two, three, four years and then transfers out. And we said goodbye to several families this past year. And we ended the year with uh, our longest tenured staff member, uh, Ed Hackworth, falling ill and then dying just a few weeks after the first of this year started. Add to this, our building creaked and cracked, and it required a great deal of TLC in 2021. Now, I know in light of what is happening in the world today, some of our struggles seem insignificant, but they were challenges nonetheless. Yet. And this is a holy yet. I love holy yets. God was incredibly faithful to our congregation in 2021. God was faithful in the way he sustained us. Through all the ins and outs of COVID, online, in-person, mass required, social distancing, sanitize your hands, people moving, God has carried us as a fellowship. As a congregation, we did not have a single outbreak of COVID traced back to this congregation. And even more, we remained united together through the journey. Oh, for sure, we were not always unanimous in the way we thought about it and our feeling, but we were united in our time, in our culture, in our day, being united over that which is most important, even when you disagree over the details, is a most powerful witness to our community. It is a witness to the unifying power of Jesus Christ and the unifying power of the gospel. God also sustained our outreach to the least of these in our community. We continued to feed the hungry through our third Friday food distributions and open table and carpenter's shelter. What blows me away, and this is an only God thing, right? With God, all things are possible. What blows me away Two years of a pandemic, and our congregation is actually more known in our community than before the pandemic started. We are more community-minded than before it started. Only God can do that. God sustained. God sustained our Bible studies and fellowship groups. And I'm so grateful for the sustaining grace of God. God was faithful in the way God provided for us. Last year, toward the end of the year, like many congregations, we had not yet met our ministry budget. Then in November, we received a very generous gift that enabled us to not only meet our budget, but to exceed it so that we could support our mission partners around the world fully and even give more to missions than we had planned to. Through your generosity throughout the year in special offerings, you supported Afghan refugees. You supported our benevolence fund to help those in our community in need. You supported funds like uh, giving a gift to a local young pastor who passed away at the age of 37 and left a widow and an 18-month-old baby. 
you supported that very generously. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We started the sanctuary fund to renovate the sanctuary in the future. And there's more detail in our annual reports. God was faithful. God was faithful. God sustained and God provided. And God was faithful to his call in our congregation as he renewed our vision to repurpose the facility to become a hub for nonprofits that seek to do good work in our community and beyond. We already house a great nonprofit in Together We Bake, and we already provide space for seven recovery groups to meet here. We've been the temporary home of a local school who was in dire straits and came to us and said, hey, we've lost our place to meet. Can we meet in your place so our kids can, can learn? And we said, sure. And it, it, was a, it was a journey. Let me just put it that way. And, and God blessed them, and they found their permanent location, and God blessed us in it. And we believe that God has continued to fan into flames this vision to see part of our facility used for nonprofits for the betterment of our community in our world. You can read more about this vision in this handout we have for you when you leave today called The Common Good. Uh, we're going to talk about this more after worship this week and then talk about it again the week, week after that in a special congregational meeting. But let me encourage you to take this and read this. It's really, really exciting. This is why some of the good work we've done on our facility is so crucial in 2021 and in 2022. Our facility is a resource that God wants to use to be a blessing. So the bottom line, God has been faithful. Even when those years, right? Isn't it wonderful in our own lives? Even those years when we say, you know, wow, that, was, that year was a blur. Or that year was hard. We can step back and say God was faithful. God sustained. God provided. God renewed. So you might be wondering, so where's the rich young guy that we read about earlier. What does this have to do with our annual celebration? Well, let me just ask you to just to imagine with me for a moment. The guy who came to Jesus in a lot of ways looks really familiar. He seems to fit the profile of many in our community. And when I read this passage, I can't help but wonder how God might be calling us to reach people like this guy. Remember, Jesus looked at him and loved him. You see, we know that Jesus cared about those in need materially and that we should too. And we need to hear this text telling us Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus loved the down and out and the up and coming. One of my concerns about the church in this country is we have a tendency to see those who are not in need materially and forget that if they are without Jesus, they are, have massive needs spiritually and they are incredibly spiritually impoverished. God called us to be like Jesus and to love all people and tend to the material and spiritual needs in our community. Now, why does this guy look so familiar to us? I call him DMV Dave, okay? Don't write that one in your Bible, but DMV Dave for a minute. He was a spiritual seeker. He came to Jesus and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wanted to know 
how he could be a part of God's grand renewal and redemption project. He knew that there was more to life than his position, profits, and power. It makes me wonder what drove him to the feet of Jesus. In my ministry journey, I've noticed a pattern. Often people who have their material needs met, but who are not Christians, they often only start searching for God when life goes off the rails in some way. Or sometimes when they start a family and children come along. And when children come along, that's life off the rails in a different way, right? But when children come along, it makes people start thinking, okay, there's more to this life than everything that I've been working for until now. But he started searching. He knew life was about more than what he had. He wanted something more. Our culture is thirsty and dying for something more. According to various polls taken by the Pew Research Center, interest in spirituality is sky high, while trust in organized religion and the church in general is down. In the aftermath of the pandemic, we see people not necessarily turning to the church, but desiring to know there's something more, something deeper, something enduring beyond this world. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He asked. For the first time in a long time, I went to Barnes & Noble on Friday. You know, I, like most of you, I, when I shop for books, I just go to Amazon. I just shop online. But I went to Barnes & Noble just to browse around a little bit. And uh, as I was there, I noticed two shelves labeled. I've never seen this label before. Maybe it's been there. I've just never seen it. Two shelves labeled self-transformation. Okay? Not self-help. Self-transformation. Notice how to change yourself. And I thought, well, okay, only two, two shelves. Then I walked around the corner. There were six more. Self-transformation. And then they were right by the books that said self-improvement. Lots of books on self-help. I didn't understand why there were two different sections. If somebody's going to go through self-transformation, if it's not an improvement, then why are they doing it anyway? I, I, I didn't ask the people there. I just, I just looked. People are searching, what must I do to inherit eternal life? At the core of Christianity, the heart of our theology is that only Jesus can bring life-giving, life-sustaining eternal life transformation. That's the core of our theology. And the good news that Christ came to die for the sins of the world, that Christ came to redeem, that Christ came to save, save. the good news starts with a little bit of bad news. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. You need salvation. But there's good news. Jesus came for you. DMV Dave was a good person. DMV Dave asked Jesus how to have eternal life. And then Jesus tells them, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. Interesting, Jesus lined out all of those that are about horizontal relationships. And then the guy, what did he say to Jesus? Hey, I'm good to go. 
I've been following these since I was a little boy. DMV Dave was probably an Eagle Scout of the highest order. The text then tells us that Jesus looked at him and loved him because he knew he was lost. He knew he might have had material wealth, but he was spiritually poor. He looked at him and loved him, not because of the perception of being good, but he looked at him and loved him because he was spiritually blind and spiritually lacking. One thing you lacked. Our area is filled with really good people. People come to our area to do really good things. They come to serve in the military and defend our nation. They come to make a difference in the political arena. They come to teach school. They come to work for nonprofits. People come here to change the world. They want to do good things, and many of them do really good things. The problem is it's not our goodness that saves us. It's only the goodness of Jesus that saves us. Jesus saw all of his goodness, yet he saw that he lacked what he needed the most. DMV Dave, his material wealth made him spiritually poor. One thing you lack, sell everything, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Now, we're tempted to hear this today And there's two ways we often hear this passage. First of all, we hear it and we say, you know what? We may not classify ourselves as the the 1% or the wealthy in in our culture. We may not say we're wealthy, but then we hear this passage say, you know what? But compared to the rest of the world, we're all wealthy, so this all applies to us. We know, okay. But another way we're tempted to hear this is like, well, when Jesus said, sell everything and give it to the poor, he didn't really mean it. He didn't mean it. He just meant, you know, kind of put things in perspective. Well, he did mean it. He meant it. He told this guy, for this guy to be saved, he has to sell everything, give to the poor, so that he can store up treasures in heaven. He meant it. He wasn't playing games. And this is what we call in the Gospels when we read about Jesus' teachings this way, the force of priority. In other, other teachings, Jesus said, hey, if you don't leave your mother and father, if you don't leave your family to follow me, then psh. It's the force of priority. Anything that keeps you from following Jesus with everything about who you are, you have to let it go. You have to let it go and follow him. That's what he was saying to the guy. And so if your wealth is what keeps you from following Jesus, if your wealth keeps you from receiving that which you asked him for, remember, what must I do to inherit eternal life? If your wealth keeps you from following him, which is the only way you inherit eternal life, if your wealth keeps you from that, then it's time for a massive personal liquidation and pick everything up and follow Jesus. Jesus says, don't let anything keep you from putting God first. 
what's in that blank for you? It might not be money. What's in that blank for you? The disciples of Jesus were stunned when they heard this. They thought for sure that this rich man would be tight with God because if you had wealth then, then it was assumed it was God's favor and God's blessing upon you. So Jesus tells them, you know what? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a wealthy person to come into God's kingdom. Now Jesus was using hyperbole here, but it's a great image. Then he says, with man it is impossible, but with God it is possible. Now, we often hear that phrase and just move on. Oh, yeah, yeah, God can do everything. And we often hear it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we say, oh, yeah, you know, people who are wealthy, they can't enter the kingdom of heaven or it's hard for them to. But we forget the next sentence. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's not impossible. All things are possible with God. But for it to become a possibility, the wealthy person has to give God his or her heart and make God number one and allow God to take that wealth and turn it into purpose. God, take that wealth and turn it into God's priority for God to take that wealth and literally release it to store up treasures in heaven. Only God, only God can touch a rich man's heart so that a rich man loves God more than money. Only God can do that. Only God can touch your heart and make you love that which keeps you from God more than what it is. Only God. But with God, all things are possible. All things. This is how our text intersects our annual celebration of ministry today. We need to do more to reach those who are far from God. God has placed us here in this community. One of our values is that we're uniquely placed, uniquely located. This is a unique community. It's a wonderful community. Here in this community in which we find those with material need. And we need to keep expanding our ministries to those who have material need. And God has placed us right here, right here in the heart of Old Town to be the heart of Old Town. God has surrounded us with people who have everything they need, everything they think they want, plus some. Good up-and-coming people who seek to do good things. And they're spiritually thirsty, spiritually blind, and in need of a Savior. Let's take this inside for a moment. 
How about your personal journey today? How does this message fall into your heart? Is there anything standing between you and God this morning? Time? Treasure? Questions? Worries? Doubts? Allow God to have your heart today. Allow Him to do His good work and to release you from anything keeping you from following Him. Let that sink into your heart deeply today. Trust Jesus to give you the life you're looking for. Our journey together as a congregation, let's continue to ask God how to best reach our community. Let's go all in to do the work of spreading the gospel to all people everywhere. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this teaching from the life of Jesus that you have given us, that you've preserved for us down through the ages so that we can learn Lord, there are many in our community who are spiritually thirsty and hungry and seeking you. They may not even be aware that they're seeking you, God, but they are. So God, I pray for each and every person, regardless of their station, their status, their position, their power, no matter what, God, I pray that you would use your church right here in the heart of Old Town, to be the heart of Old Town. To share your good news with those who need to hear it. I pray that you'd give us boldness, that you'd give us courage, that you'd give us vision. Lord, I pray for each person in this room. Lord, we know that sometimes when we hear this passage, it falls into our hearts and we realize that we've allowed our priorities to to not be in alignment with your priorities. Hear our prayer and our desires to realign our lives with your life. Lord, in, in, your, in your word, you call that repentance and renewal. So Lord, do your good work of repentance and renewal this morning as only you can. Lord, use us to do your work. Grasp us with your vision, with your purpose. Be our vision. In Jesus' name, amen.